gun Ramos looking like he's got one more good run Sips a little shaky But his heart is still true Oh how that dog loves hunting with me and you Sporting dog adventures run The Sporting Dog Adventures podcast is proudly brought to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers. Remember, everyone deserves a soggy dog. Hey, welcome to the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. It was a fun weekend with my kids. We had a couple of interesting hunts, moderately successful. I mean, for us, we, we really don't care how many birds we get. It was just fun to be out there. But we had the first morning where the birds were working and they were all, all of them were just landing outside of our range. Of course, it took us until I'd say probably an hour into the hunt to notice that it was something that needed to be changed. And we couldn't figure out if it was this large area where the birds were just feeding somewhere else or if it was just us. As it turns out, it was us. So what we ended up having to do was we went out and we pulled our spinning wing decoy. And interesting enough, this was after probably the big morning rush of birds, then the birds started to work perfect. I guess if we were competitive, it would have turned into where we would have really uh, been upset at the fact that uh, uh, they were flaring on this. And it wasn't even that they are flaring, that, which was the hard part. When you're sitting there and you're hunting, and I've hunted all over North America, I guess the lesson that I learned and the lesson that everyone needs to learn is if things aren't working out perfect, don't be afraid to change them. Uh, we had a good setup. I thought we had a really good decoy spread. It seemed like uh, the wind was perfect for us where the birds should finish right in the hole, and the birds just never would finish where we wanted. Now, we shot... Uh, a few birds and we had fun but if we would have pulled the motion decoy the spinner out earlier and replaced it with a swimming decoy that moved around in the hole I think we would have done a lot better the other thing that I did personally and it's the old you know never never get to the point where you're too old to change I was calling the shot too early so when we did have birds that were passing over us I hit the point where I was just too anxious. The birds were working. I should have just let them work. But because of the fact that they were landing outside of the decoys, I was then calling the shots when the birds were up too high and we were just ineffective. So it is something where I'm sure people are listening to a podcast and going, my gosh, this person is talking about not being successful and what they did wrong. But that's reality. I go through years where... It seems like everything I do, every button I push is the right call. And this year's been one of those years. We've had a really, really solid year. But on this particular hunt, we should have pulled the spinner earlier when the birds were finishing outside and should have let the birds work more because we were in an area that was a low-pressure area where we didn't have a lot of people hunting around us. With that said, there was no one else shooting at them. The birds were relaxed should have just let things happen more and we probably would have gotten a few more birds but either way it was cold 
Uh, we took out my son Clayton Callahan and Clayton's girlfriend Lexi, and uh, they, <laughs> it was uh, it was definitely uh, one of the colder mornings I've sat. Um, once I get to a certain point in the year, I love deer hunting, so I will duck hunt until a certain point, and then I'm chasing deer. I I don't get many days where it is uh, well below freezing in the morning. Uh, this was below freezing, plus it had a very very strong wind, plus it had. Uh, some uh, snow and rain and different uh, sleets uh, that were falling. So it made for an interesting weather pattern for us. We had a fun hunt, learned a few things. Um, I went from, it's funny, I think one of the reasons I was calling the shot too early was I was used to hunting teal and wood ducks. We had a lot of mallards around us and the mallards just weren't giving us that uh that flight pattern that the teal did. Uh, teal, when we're hunting by our uh, by our spots, they're usually right on the deck or not up that high. So when they do give you a pass by in range over the decoys, you can take them. Mallards, they were they were working. They were up higher. So it was it was a fun hunt, good learning hunt, and it was a good hunt to learn with the kids so that they got to see it and also uh, are going to understand because. There's going to be times they're going to be out there by themselves without dad. So overall, our first day was a, was a fun hunt. The second day was my backwards hunt. I knew it was going to happen with the wind. Uh, of course, I set the decoy spread up with uh, the birds were going to... Was, the wind wasn't supposed to fly right or come right into our face. It was supposed to kind of come down the length of the uh, body water we were sitting on. And oh, sorry for the yawn. And the wind, of course, switched and it was right in our face. So the birds were going to come right over uh, the blind. What I did was I had set up so that we had almost like a hard stop. We had where the birds should stop because they hit the, the wall of decoys. We put some geese out uh, across uh, the body of water we were hunting. Did give the birds an out so they could go kind of on an angle through the decoys if they wanted to pass through and they wouldn't be flying just over decoys. And we had, it was actually interesting. So we shot mallards and we shot teal. The teal loved our decoy spread. And again, we did not have any spinners. We just had a, a one swimming motion duck and a couple of shakers. The teal worked perfect. They worked to our decoys and came into the hole with several of them uh, landing about, I'd say, 10 feet from the blind. So can't ask for it to work any better than that. The mallards went long every time. So we had our mallards come in. A lot of times uh, we were in a spot they wanted to be. We didn't even have to worry at this spot with birds circling and passing you would just see them flutter in from right over the top of you. And they were all landing long. On this spot, uh, we had the same problem uh, in this spot when we were teal hunting it. Uh, the birds, for some reason, like to be on the other side. Yes, need to get a blind on the other side. Absolutely. Didn't matter for today, though, uh, or for that day, though, because we were, we again, it was cold. There was no way I was going to sit in the water on a mud seat. So we were going to be where we were at. So I actually uh, changed out chokes on my gun and went from a medium range uh, heavy shot choke to a uh, extended range. And that made my shots far more effective than the kids who were shooting a modified uh, cylinder. Uh, the other thing that we had was 
my gun with the extended range worked out really well and we knocked birds down if they were still uh, if they were still uh, head up uh, we could actually uh, reach out and touch them and uh, and put them down so that uh, they didn't get into the cattails uh, the nice part about the spot that we were hunting the uh, it was a pond uh, that uh, only we can access but the nice part about it was the cattails were not floating because the area is very low water right now. So when the birds did get over to the cattails, uh, they, if they crawled into the cattails, the dog would find them. When we were hunting uh, this this particular spot earlier in the year, the water was higher. Uh, the birds could dive under the cattails, and the dogs really, really struggled trying to uh, trying to get the birds. So this one, the backwards hunt, I tried to set it up. It, I'd say I'd give it a B minus on, on on how the birds worked. Uh, we shot. Uh, Half teal, half mallards. Uh, again, the teal, they were spot on. They thought that I was like the best decoy designer ever in my decoy pattern I had out. And the mallards, they were they 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 decided they wanted to land at about fifty yards um, as opposed to uh, uh, finishing in the hole where we needed them to. The problem with that was it would have been fine if we would have known they were coming. But this was where they didn't even work. They they just. They just came in when they came, and uh, they, when they when they plopped in, it, it was like no warning. You would just get a flash, and they were there. And by the time you pulled up, they were they were well out of uh, or well across the body of water. So they're still in range, but just a long shot. So it was it was it was interesting to see. Uh, our migration is going to probably kick into gear here pretty quick. Uh, I have uh, two different places I hunt. One has a lot of rice. And the other is mainly just uh, cattail, uh, cattail bogs. So I'm curious to see how this is going to work. The one spot that I hunt, we normally, once you get into the latter half of October, there's not a lot of birds. For some reason, the birds don't roost there. Uh, there are a lot of local birds that you hunt. And then this other place that we just got... I'm assuming it's got a lot of arrowhead or duck potato and it's got a lot of rice. I'm assuming that this will get a lot of migratory birds. Uh, but again, first year, so it's it's going to be interesting. Um, with both of them, both these properties are properties that uh, I also uh, deer hunt on occasionally. So I can go up and I can deer hunt and I can actually scout ducks, which is kind of cool. Um, I've got a few other spots that I'll probably have to... Uh, maybe do a deer hunt in the morning and then go go scout them in the afternoon so I can uh, see see how they're looking. But overall, it's going to be interesting to see if one of these properties uh, uh, does better early. And I, I'm, I'm thinking the other one's going to do better later uh, just because of the, uh, it's going to be an imprinted migratory stop. But it is, it's fun because it's like a big puzzle. You're putting this puzzle together, you've got your pieces and it seems like the puzzle is always different every year. So this year, uh, the water is lower than it has been uh, in a long time in Wisconsin. Uh, not that that doesn't mean we're not going to get a bunch of rain. We're scheduled to get probably an inch of rain this week, uh, which will probably raise our uh, uh, bodies of water up more in Wisconsin. Might even flood some farm fields. If it does, that is going to really affect a lot of the uh, spots I hunt because I'm not hunting flooded fields. And uh, it, it'll just be interesting to see how this all ends up and what all comes to fruition as we get further into the season. But uh, that is it for this part of the podcast. 
I wanted to talk about uh, having your dogs out and making sure you are worried about safety. Uh, we had something happen uh, where a dog uh, decided he was going to launch out of a blind and he launched into something that was on an angle and over, but it was a support for, uh, for the uh, blind that we were in. So we're going to talk about that in our hunting portion. And then on the training tip, I thought we would just talk about the importance of your obedience, but also how you're doing your obedience in connection with when you're in the field hunting. So that'll be our training tip. So let's do the training tip next after this, and then we will do the uh, hunting tip after a uh, short message from our sponsors then. So stay tuned next after this for our training tip. This portion of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Boucher Automotive in Janesville, Wisconsin. So when you're doing your hunting for your upcoming season, again, we're going to train. Our training is coming to a crescendo when we get to season. And the reason we train is so that our dogs perform well during the season. You want to work with your dogs in hunting type situations and not just static where you're standing with your dog next to you in the field or standing with the dog next to you in the pond. I will take the dogs into different areas where I have cattails, have the dogs sitting so that they're basically hidden in their sense. They think that we're hunting. They always think you're hunting because they training and hunting are two different are, are the same thing to them. But I am going to have the dog where they're basically hidden in the cattails and I take my calls out. I call a little, I have my shotgun, I'll shoot. The one thing I do different though that a lot of people don't do is I talk to my dogs. So as I am sitting there, especially with young dogs, I will quack my duck calls and then I'll say, sit, good dog, sit, good, sit. And just give them that reassurance that yes, I want you to sit. You're doing what I want. And then if they would break during my training, I would correct them with the e-collar and bring them all the way back in and not let them have the retrieve. So that is what I've done. I actually did that with Ace because before he did the grand, we had a teal hunt where he broke twice on me. I corrected him very sternly with the collar. And then I went out and we did some training on my property here at home where we mimicked a hunting scenario and I gave him a ton of praise while he was sitting there. Now I took him out this last uh, this last weekend. He did great. He was steady. There were a couple times that honestly, I probably wouldn't have sent him because there were still uh, birds in the area and it was a good time of the morning. But he did so good, I wanted to reward him, and he was just coming out of his hide trying to go. He was coming out of his fur. He wanted to go. So I'm like, you know, that's a short one. I'm just going to send him. So I did give him some retrieves when I normally uh, probably wouldn't have and kept him so that we could pick the birds up later. But he did great. It showed me that the training I did really worked because he was far more steady than he was during teal season. Part of that was probably because he had run the grand and had some training in between uh, with uh, good friend A.G. Shaw. But overall... I put him back into that situation, same blind that he broke in, and we didn't have that problem because I took a break in between teal season and duck season and used what I saw, trained for it, and then corrected it. So I hope that helps you for uh, training with your dogs. 
during the season sometimes you do have to take a stop, work with them a little bit. Worked out well with uh, with Ace this year. So I hope that helps you for uh, your dog for this season and next. Next, I want you to stay tuned because we're going to talk about a training tip that is going to be watching for dangers that are in your hunting areas and stuff that could affect your dog that you can change and also train for. All that and more coming up next after this. This part of the podcast is brought to you proudly by Mech Outdoors. So the last part of our show today is going to be our hunting tip. And this was something I saw that I absolutely have to fix on one of my blinds. Again, I try to bring you guys real life stuff that happens to me because most shows are only going to talk to you. And I saw this with T when I did TV. Most shows are only going to show you the perfect thing. They're never going to talk to you about issues they had because it will hurt their ego. And uh, they, they don't want to show you anything that uh, would make them look like they're not the quote unquote perfect hunter. So what we had, we had some blinds that were flipping over in, uh, in high water. It was damaging the blinds. Uh, we actually had one that was uh, pretty much destroyed. We have just the platform left. And this blind had flipped several times. So what we did was we made the decision that we really needed to put in metal poles with cables that would hold the blind in place so it couldn't move. So we've got high-tension cables. We've got these metal poles. I thought that this was the perfect setup. It wasn't going to be a problem. It was going to hold the blind in place. And we shot a couple of birds. And Ace launched. Now, he had a, he had a dog vest on because it was cold, luckily. But he launched out the door and he hit one of the poles. And it was over on an angle. It wasn't right in front. It was on an angle. And he launched to get this bird. And it's not like the pole is camouflaged. It's, it's a shiny silver pole. No, the bird's no flare in it. It's a shiny silver pole, and he launched right into the pole. It, it wasn't faced towards him, so it wasn't a danger that way. I, obviously, you'd know better than to do that. But I don't know if it could have hurt him uh, and, and caused uh, an issue or uh, a laceration with him hitting it the way he did. He hit it pretty hard because he really launched. So what I'm going to do is I am going to make a wooden box, basically, to put around this so that it is protected not for the pole, but for the dog. Um, it was something that I'm also going to put a uh, an extension of the uh, blind out, so the dog has to can't launch on that angle. So basically, just like a piece of two by twelve that's going to sit out on the right side of the blind where the on the dog door, so that the dog can't launch in the direction of where that was. But it was something where. I've heard of people having this happen with sticks, with different things when you're hunting and it's more of an uncontrolled uh, situation, but this was something where it's completely controllable. So we're going to put something over uh, that post and we are also going to put something uh, so the dog can't jump in that direction, but I'm going to fix it two ways to make sure that this uh, doesn't happen. Um, if we do hunt that spot again, I think I'm going to run the dog from the other end of the blind so that he is not put in that position because it was, it was, it was, it was scary. I mean, he of course hit it, bounced off and just kept going. He didn't care, but always look 
and try to anticipate if there's a danger. This was one I didn't see. I think on anything else now, I would absolutely see it because it happened once to me. But this was something I didn't see when it happened. So on your hunting tip this week, make sure that everything is safe for the dog and the hunters. Uh, I've seen dangerous things uh, where you can jump out and land on something too. So make sure that you're worried about your safety of everyone that's in the blind with you, four-legged or two-legged. So that is it for this week's uh, this week's podcast. I do want to thank everyone for listening to us. We are growing at a pace that I never thought we would be. And it is just fun to be back creating content and interacting with the people that have followed our TV show and our new people that are just following the podcast. If you have not watched our TV show, go to YouTube, search Sporting Dog Adventures. We have eight seasons up of dog-related content waterfall upland and some shed hunting with a few big game hunts you guys will enjoy it it is my pleasure thank you have a great week god bless sporting dog adventures run boy.